expression of reverence, honor, and adoration for God. Reverence, honor, and adoration for God. However, we express that. And uh, there are actually seven different Hebrew words for worship in the Bible. Um, and they, uh, we just have the one word, and they have seven, of course. And uh, they include things like words for healing, uh, sorry, for kneeling, bowing, falling face down, raising your hands, going crazy in worship, believe it or not, singing and playing an instrument. So there's a sort of vast range of things of the way we can express our worship. And these are particularly involved with expressing worship with our bodies, as you can see. And they can be really helpful for some of us, but it doesn't mean that we're not worshipping if we're not falling face down or raving about or doing the light bulb or whatever else the chap said on the video. Real worship is not how we act, all right? It's not how we act. It is not just taking part in this service on a Sunday and then toddling out and doing what we like for the rest of the week. It's not just singing hymns or songs. It's not even just about our own personal prayer and meditation times, wonderful though all that is. It isn't about how you feel on any given day, as Dot said or whether the band's playing in tune or not, so I hope they were, uh, or whether you like the songs or the prayers or not. It isn't what you can get out of it. Because real worship is something so much bigger, so much bigger than that. It is coming from within, and it is our love responding to God's love, directly from our hearts to the heart of God. And you know, the depth of our worship will relate to how deeply we know how much God loves us. So it's not what we get, it is what we can give. So Ian is going to come up now and read us from one of the Psalms, Psalm 145. Um, Although all the words will be on the screen, we're going to stop at verse 16 because you'll have the feel of it. And let's hear what... David, King David, had to say in his times of worship. Ian. This is a psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God, my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. 
the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does, the Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand <coughs> and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Ian. This is the word of the Lord. So I hope you, like me, felt that was a really rich and deep expression of praise coming from the heart of someone who really knew what it was to be loved by God. And I also hope that we have now already got to a place of agreement where we can say that worship is something so much bigger than singing or praying or saying the words of liturgy in a service. So that begs the question, what is it then? if it isn't a series of things that we go through the motions of doing. And I do want to suggest to you, uh, which I think somebody already said, possibly Vicky there at the back, that it is actually a way of life. Worship is a way of life. It's not an act of worship. And it's a way of life that honours God. It's a way of life that it involves making a thousand tiny, small choices, day in, day out, to live in a way that glorifies the God who saves us. And many decisions we make each day, we do without even thinking about them. They're instinctive. And that's why it's so important for us to have this discipline of worship embedded deeply inside so that that discipline is informing us in the decisions that we make. And practicing some or all of the disciplines that we've been hearing about over the last few weeks will ensure that our lives are full of worship. Because they all lead to a place where, we, where our hearts can respond freely to God's heart of love. Excuse me. Now last week Tom spoke to us about confession about owning up to our sins before God and being forgiven and freed from the effects of sin in our lives. And sin or self-centeredness, if you really would prefer to call it that, it's the biggest obstacle that we have to living a life of worship. Because sin, in the simplest form, is all the things that we do or say or think that are in opposition to God, that are going in the opposite direction. And worship and sin simply cannot coexist alongside one another. So if you know that you are sinning, then it taints any worshipping that you do. And if you are truly worshipping, then conversely, sin cannot take deep root into your, in your life. You simply won't want it there, and you'll want to root it out and confess it. Someone wrote that we cannot honour God and reject him at the same time. It's an impossibility, and sin is rejecting God. And worship is about those faltering steps we take on our journey back to God when we renounce our sin. As I said earlier, real worship is simply love responding to love. And the writer of Psalm 145, as I said, King David from the Old Testament, and boy did he do more than his fair share of sinning, didn't he? If you know his story, he not only committed adultery, but he also manufactured the murder of the man whose wife he was committing adultery with. But see where confessing, turning back to God, took him to. 
those beautiful words that we heard. I will exalt you, he wrote. I will praise you every day. I will meditate on your wonderful works. I will proclaim your great deeds. And this is a man whose baby son died as a direct result of what he did. And yet, and yet, he's able to worship God from the depths of his heart in spite of the terrible price that he'd paid and his son had paid for what he'd done. And why? Well, because he knew how much God loved him. Verse 9, he wrote, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. David knew his God. He loved his God. He made his choices. And when he made the wrong ones, he repented and turned in worship to the Lord. And so he moved from a place of sin into the place of worship. So how does that apply to us folks? Most of us, I I believe, are not murderers or adulterers. But as I said earlier, the discipline of worship is a discipline of a thousand tiny choices. A thousand tiny moments where we can decide to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Choosing what to do because God loves us and we love him. A couple of weeks ago, I was away on a Church of England training course and we were being told about the concept of fast thinking and slow thinking. I don't know if any of you have come across it, this concept. It was new to me. But apparently, <coughs> there are about 100 million stimuli, literally 100 million, bombarding us at any given moment in the day. Unbelievable number of stimuli. But we only can actively process consciously with our brains about 40 of those at a time. So 100 million to 40, that's quite a lot of things we're going to do automatically. So that's what fast thinking is. It's effortless, it's intuitive, and we do it without any awareness of it going on. It's the involuntary way that we operate for most of the time. And the sort of classic example of it is if if you drive a car, Um, and you're going along the road and you are bombarded all the time with things that are coming at you and you have to make decisions what speed, whether indicate, whether not, slow down, turn here, whatever. But we do it all without even thinking about it. Our brains decide for us in the sort of unconscious part. And I don't know if any of you are like me, but sometimes on the very familiar journey from home to church, I get here in the morning and I think, I have no memory whatsoever of getting here and I surely hope there's nothing happened on the way that I didn't even notice. Okay, and I, I, perhaps I'm the only one. Anybody, anybody done that? Yeah? Oh, good, phew. It's not just me that's the well dodgy driver in Camberley then. But, um, so, but uh, I was in fast thinking mode and so were you when you drive like that, okay? But in slow thinking, we make this conscious effort to slow down our thought and decision-making processes. And it's much harder work than fast thinking. But it's the only way that we can interrogate our decision-making process. So, things like, do I choose to open the door for that parent struggling with a buggy and a screaming kid? Or do I just go straight through in front of them because my time's really valuable and much more valuable than them? Somebody else can help them. Is that an honouring God choice? Honouring the creation that he has made, that he cares for? 
Do I choose to ignore the annoying man in a Santa suit rattling a collecting tin in my face on November the 30th when it isn't even December yet? Or because I'm thinking about this sermon, do I stop and put some money in and give him a smile and a God bless you? Because that's what happened to me a week or so ago. A thousand tiny moments where we can choose whether to do the right thing, God's thing, or whether to do the thing that's most convenient to us. Choosing in a way, to live in a way that honours God, that's worship. Living in a way that gives him the say in the decisions we make in our lives. Knowing how much we are loved and responding accordingly by showing love to others. That's why it's a discipline of choice. So we're going to pause now. Quite a lot to think about there for some of us, I'm sure. And we're going to, in a moment, have a uh, time of confession. But what I want us to do is just to take out of this busy day, perhaps for some of us, a time of quiet. To slow our thinking down. Maybe to interrogate in our minds some of the decisions we made last week, be they big or little, whether we thought about them or not. Or maybe think about some of the decisions we'll be making in the coming week. And just ask God to allow the discipline of worship, of making those thousand tiny choices, to pervade your life. So we have a time of quiet. Then I'll lead us into the confession. And then the band will lead us in a song. so we confess our thoughts, our decisions to God now with the words that are coming up on the screen. We have not always worshipped God, our creator. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We have not always followed Christ, our saviour. Christ, have mercy. We have not always trusted in the Holy Spirit, our guide. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And as I'm sure we all know, when we turn to God in sin, and uh, turn to God away from our sin, he is faithful, he is just, and he forgives us our sins. So I'd like us to say this absolution, this forgiveness prayer over ourselves and over those around us. And we're going to say it all together, please. May the God of all healing and forgiveness draw us to himself and cleanse us from all our sins. 
that we may behold the glory of his Son, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so as the music team...